welcome to the Nerd Journey Podcast, episode number 145. We're joining you every week to talk IT career progression and bring you the advice we wish we'd been given earlier in our careers. I'm your host, John White, at BJourneyman on Twitter, joined by my co-host, Nick Cordy, at NetworkNerd underscore. Hey, Nick, how's it going? Hey, John, I am doing great. We are pre-sales technical engineers with backgrounds in IT operations. We hope our career discussions will be vendor neutral, relevant across disciplines, and remain timeless. If you're enjoying our content, please drop us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. And if you want to get in touch with us, tweet or DM at Nerd Journey. Ultimately, we're just two nerds on a journey. A journey to virtual enlightenment. So let's take a trip. Awesome, Nick. Hey, so uh, today is part five of our of our discussion on Deep Work by Cal Newport. Um, if you've missed any part of this series, uh, you can check out part one, which was episode 141, where we discussed the introduction to the book, which had the main thesis points or why of the book. Um, episodes 142 and 143, where we talked through the first rule, which was work deeply, uh, fairly dense, so it took two episodes. And then in episode 144, we talked about the second rule, embracing boredom or embrace boredom. We're going to go over the format just a little bit here. We'll do some summarization about why we're talking about deep work, and then we'll summarize what we read in rule number three um, and answer some questions along the way. Do we believe the point? Does it apply to each of us? Does it make us want to change? And uh, if so, uh, what we anticipate changing, if anything. Um, and again, once we realize that, that this is, uh, like a really good way to, um, understand a book a little bit more deeply, we realize that we want to model how we're going to try to read books that have a big impact on us from now on. We're going to summarize big points, take notes, record our reactions and record what we're going to try to change. That's, that's something that we're going to do from now on when we're reading. Uh, it might mean reading a little bit less or fewer books in total, but I think maybe we'll be able to look back on the books that we read and get a little bit more out of it. So um, just to, to reiterate, you know, why are we reading deep work? Um, Cal Newport has this hypothesis, you know, about deep work. So let me first define deep work. Deep work is professional activities performed in a state of distraction-free concentration that push your cognitive capabilities to their limit. These efforts create new value, improve your skill, and are hard to replicate. That's a quote from the book from the author Cal Newport. And another quote defining you know, the opposite, the flip side, shallow work. This is non-cognitively demanding tasks that are often done while distracted, which are easy to replicate and do not create a lot of value in the world. And then the hypothesis, the ability to perform deep work is becoming increasingly rare at exactly the same time. It is becoming increasingly valuable in our economy. As a consequence, the few who cultivate this skill and then make it the core of their working life will thrive. So we found this really compelling and we wanted to bring the information and the ideas to our listeners um, as part of our you know, what we're integrating into our lives uh, currently. So uh, with that in mind, Nick, let's get into uh, the actual rule. Okay, rule number three, quit social media. And before you turn off, it may not mean what you think it means. So he starts out making a point 
about author Baratunde Thurston and his quest to take a 25-day disconnection from the internet. He actually did this to prevent burnout, by the way. Newport makes the point that these tools, right, just things that you use on the internet, can fragment our time and reduce our ability to concentrate. And there isn't really a debate about this. It especially impacts those who are people who are trying to generate value through focus and concentration. So if you're an author and you want to publish books, you're certainly trying to focus to be able to get that work completed. And knowledge workers actually feel powerless in their discussions of network tools and attention. And the idea of the internet sabbatical or Sabbath gained a lot of traction in some circles, taking a break. It's not that the tools themselves are evil, but we need to take a different approach to deciding which ones to use and to what degree we use them. At the same time, we need to reject the distracted hyper-connectedness as a necessary state in our work. He also makes the point about many folks take the any-benefit approach to network tool selection. And when we say network tool, you know, it could be Twitter, it could be LinkedIn, it could be YouTube, any of those types of tools. It could even be, you know, some kind of productivity tool that you have. So here's a quote. You're justified in using a network tool if you can identify any possible benefit to its use or anything you might possibly miss out on if you don't use it. And people are using tools without really weighing the observable negatives against the potential positives. Are you doing the weighing? I would imagine that many people are not. We'll talk about that in a minute. And then there's this last point about the craftsman approach to tool selection. How does a craftsman select what tools they were going to use, they would use? Think about a blacksmith. Here's a quote. Identify the core factors that determine success and happiness in your professional and personal life. Adopt a tool only if its positive impacts on these factors substantially outweigh its negative impacts. So this approach doesn't ignore the potential positive impacts, but as we said, the tools are not good or bad, they're just tools. And we need to examine all the aspects, positive and negative, of using the tools when we decide whether they go in our toolbox or remain out of the toolbox. So when you take these strategies and try to transition from the any benefit approach to the craftsman approach, Newport says you will be better off. So what do we think about this advice? John, what do you think? Well, I mean, I definitely see the point. Right. There's there's a contrast that's being posited here. The any benefit approach like, hey, there's you know, I might miss out on something if I don't use this tool to the craftsman approach, which is, you know, is the tool positive enough and does it have a positive enough impact on my professional, personal life to keep on using it? Um, and I think that most of the time we kind of unconsciously make a choice. Right. Yeah. I don't want to miss out, so I'm going to use a tool. Or, eh, you know, you might even unconsciously use the craftsman approach to a specific tool selection. But I think, you know, Cal Newport's saying that we should use the craftsman approach to all of the tools that we use, which makes sense to me. We should be making conscious choices, not unconscious choices, right? So, yeah, I definitely believe it. And, you know, especially since in deep work, we're, you know, and the philosophy that it's espousing, like, the whole point is to get away from distraction and, you know, social media is designed to capture and monetize your attention. And so, you know, that's kind of, 
by definition a bad thing when your whole goal is to cultivate the ability to focus deeply and get you know really complex work done so i mean my experience on facebook was you know the the alerts on my mobile phone and i think i think i've mentioned before that i don't really have it on my phone anymore like i removed the app i i used to get alerts you know, about a friend of mine posting something and I'd go and check it out. And I wasn't mentioned anywhere. It was just a friend who was posting something and Facebook decided that I needed to get a mobile alert on that. It wasn't all of my friends and every single one of their posts. Um, it was just what looked like a random post and that I needed to be alerted on it. And those alerts were distracting enough, you know, even without me really, having this philosophy in my life of, you know, Hey, I need to focus deeply. Like it was definitely, you know, distracting enough that I was like, yeah, I, I, I actually cannot live with this anymore. It is too distracting. So, you know, I, I strongly believe like in this point, getting rid of social media that does not have a strongly positive impact on your professional or personal life. How about you, Nick? So a few episodes ago, in episodes 138 and 139, we interviewed Don Jones. And he had his conference, Amp Navigator, right? 100% virtual, 100% career-focused. I attended that. And I went on a bit of a marathon of consuming those sessions because there was only so much time left to do it. I did it, and there were some great sessions. But you know what I found, John, is that in at least three of the sessions, maybe more, People talked about trimming back their social media use. And in at least two of those sessions, it was specifically for the purpose of doing deeper work. And I'm sitting here going, okay, there's something to this. So I think, yes, I believe it. Yeah, that makes absolute sense. You know, multiple people can come to the same point from multiple points of view, right? Yeah. One gentleman even talked about how he trimmed back his friends on the various social media platforms and the the logic he used about who he would connect with or not connect with. It was pretty fascinating. It is fascinating. All right. Next question is, does this apply to me? For me personally, it, I would say kind of. Right? I'm mostly off of Facebook. The other social network that I use most is LinkedIn. And that's, I use it professionally. And I'm pretty task focused when it comes to using LinkedIn. You know, it's go in, do research and then get off. Like I don't, I don't scroll through people's updates and see what's going on. If I'm tagged in something, I might, you know, take a look and, and read. If somebody DMs me there, like that would probably be um, the, the, the alert that I get that I would respond to the most quickly. But I don't think that I use many other social networks, to be honest. There's, there's networks that I would like to use more, like Spiceworks is one that I felt like it was a little bit more, you know, community oriented and not that, you know, actually there might be a, a mobile app. I, I don't know. It's been there so is. long. There is. Okay. There is one for the community. I, you know, I got so much from that community and I feel that I'd like to give back to it. And I just haven't found an effective way for me to engage with it without getting lost in it. So um, I'm still looking for that balance there. Um, you know, and it, it actually brings up this question of, 
you know, is there a positive benefit to giving back to the community? Um, I, I think that there is. I just don't necessarily know how to take that into account um, when weighing those those positives and negatives. Um, so maybe that's an open question. And maybe that's something we, gonna, we could ask Cal Newport. Yeah. Send it to him for his Deep Questions podcast, right? Yeah. How about see you? If you? See if you get your question answered on the air. <laughs> I think that the thought process of the craftsman is very interesting to me analyzing the benefits and the negatives i don't know that that's something that i have really done at all or had considered before reading this book i think i was in the just looking at the positives mode and not thinking about well this could take away some other things and to your point maybe the benefits aren't just to you personally it's to the greater community of course that's going to benefit you too in a in a certain way but maybe the benefit is is much more than just to you. I think that to the average person doing all this analysis on the front end about why you need to use a tool or the benefits of a specific tool is a turnoff. And they're going to say, you're making me think too hard. But I can certainly see the logic behind it. Does it apply to me? Yes. All right. How about does it make me want to change behavior? And if so, what will I change to align myself with this idea? Um, for me, mostly, I think it confirms my existing behavior. In in general, like I get you know extra critical when I read something that confirms what I already believe. So I'm trying to be you know a little bit more critical about this. I I do see the downside of not engaging with social media. I mean, I I know that since I stopped using Facebook. I've drifted away from people that I could stay in touch with more easily on Facebook. I mean, I've missed, you know, life events like kids being born, moves, um, you know, things like that, you know, images and pictures and and uh, vacations and, you know, just staying up to date with, with friends. I could maintain those connections in other ways, and I haven't, right? So I definitely understand the point. And I definitely, I think if anything, it, it's made me want to gain the benefits that could be had from a tool like Facebook that I, I see that I've lost those connections or drifted away from people and made me want to re-engage with them, just not on Facebook. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. How about you? Definitely does. I know I mentioned it was either in episode 144 or 143 that I just have this inherent need during the day to check LinkedIn and Twitter. It's not that I stay there a long time. I just need to check it. I don't know why. It's a compulsive thing, habit that I'm trying to break. I know that's not constructive. And I do feel like using Twitter and LinkedIn help me stay up to date with news items that are of interest to me in my professional interests because that's what I'm using the sites for and I'm always looking for show guests on these platforms trying to recruit people to be on Nerd Journey if you're out there DM at Nerd Journey if you want to be a guest or have some thoughts on this I'd say it does make me want to do more analysis so that the use of anything new is more constructive for me and less destructive and it really goes back to embracing boredom and letting my breaks from work during the day, even if it's just a few minutes, 
be a real break and not me putting my head somewhere instead of just, oh, hey, I'm present here in the kitchen having a small snack. That makes total sense. It's funny that I didn't even think of Twitter as uh, one of the social networking tools that I actually do use. I, I have to say this probably because I just don't engage with it that much. It's interesting that you feel like you get news from Twitter and LinkedIn, but that they don't advertise themselves as news sources, though, do they? Not like uh, news of the world, but news mm -hmm. of the tech industry, I think, is more what I'm speaking of. What people are doing, the things they're working on, following the, the companies that I am interested in following and the technologies. That's more what I'm meaning. Trying to like keep in touch with the zeitgeist, like what, what's in the air, what's being discussed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, that that's an interesting point. It's a low friction way for people to discuss those things, right? Um, writing blog posts about those things is high friction, right? Like yeah, that you have to have a blog, you have to maintain it, and then other people have to find it and subscribe to the feed or visit it like regularly, as opposed to Twitter or LinkedIn, where you kind of broadcast and it somehow there's like an algorithm that surfaces what you are broadcasting to people. And I guarantee you, if you work for a large company, you know, as large as, as our employers respectively, you follow the Twitter handles, LinkedIn handles for that company, you're going to get news that you wouldn't have found otherwise. Just That's interesting true. tidbits. I know I've found a lot of very helpful things that way. That's a good point. I never thought about it. But you're right. I wonder if there is possible to get that benefit. Like those tidbits can't be broadcast on LinkedIn and Twitter only. Right. right. They're definitely not. So I'm sure there are other advocacy program sites, you know, VMware channels. has the social media advocacy and yeah. V expert program. So it's there yeah, are probably other ways to get it, but I find a lot of things where I go, oh, wow, I didn't know about that. I'm keeping that one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that's a really good point. So I guess the analysis that we need to do is in the following points, right? So that was kind of the introductory point of quit social media. It's a strategy, right, that is uh, feeding the overall goal of do deep work. Um, and then these are tactics. The following three points are tactics. Um, and we'll maybe each summarize one. Each of these tactics is about supporting the point, how to actually um, evaluate and transition from the any benefit approach to the craftsman approach of tool selection. So the first one of those uh, tactics is to apply the law of the vital few to your internet habits. So whether or how to use a specific tool is dependent on the context of the person making the decision and the type of work that they do. So there's no single answer to whether or not a tool is, is you know, positive, net positive or net negative. Um, you know, it's all about the context of the person. So each individual person should identify your main high level goals. Um, Goals are things that shouldn't be too specific. They should, you should probably have both professional and personal goals. Um, and then uh, create a list for each 
uh, the, the, the two or three most important activities that help you satisfy that goal. And those activities should be specific, right? And then consider the network tools you currently use, and then ask whether the use of the tools has a substantially positive impact or a substantially negative impact or little impact. And here's the law of the vital few. This is a quote, in many settings, 80% of a given effort is due to just 20% of the possible causes. So the idea here is that we should spend our time and attention on the few things that get us that 80% of the benefit, rather than taking on the negatives of all the things that can at best bring us the last 20% of benefits. In most situations, turning out the best possible work represents the 80%. And connectivity, network connectivity being part of networks probably falls in the last 20%. So questions, do I believe this? I mean, this law of the vital few and applying it, like that's the Pareto principle, I think restated, right? 80% of the outcomes are from 20% of the causes. This is a, I found this to be a fairly challenging task. Like I don't want to like go through the process of listing my goals and activities that support those goals. I mean, like you're asking me to be explicit when, when I'm reading a book, I just kind of want to think of the abstract, not have to do any work, say, oh, I agree or I don't agree. Maybe I'll do something. Maybe I won't do something. I don't want to have to do hard work. And this is hard work. You know, what are my goals? What are my professional goals? What are my personal goals? What are the, the things that actually... I can do, you know, specific activities that support those things. And then, you know, are the network tools like in those things that are, they're going to get me those positive uh, things and, and not just the negatives, right? So, you know, I found this to be fairly difficult ask. And as a result, I believe it <laughs> because I, I'm way more willing to believe something if it's challenging than if it's easy, right? Uh, I, that's a, that's a um, bias of mine that I will admit, but the, the general overall point of, you know, there's probably the thing that's going to get you 80% of your benefit is doing really good work. And that's going to take really intense focus and, you know, be like, you know, a lot of cognitive effort and not, hey, you need to be strongly, you know, engaged in a lot of social media, like that's, that's going to get you like that, that massive benefit. It, it probably isn't. How about you? Yeah, it's almost like there's the any benefit, the mentality, there's the craftsman mindset, right? And this is this particular suggestion is like, in my mind, it's analogous to, okay, take these data points about what is and what you would like it to be with your goals and find that best fit regression that fits them the best within a certain standard deviation or variance. That's what I equate it to. And I definitely like the idea of using the use of tools aligning with goals. I don't want to make the goal list, though. I don't want to make the professional and personal goal list. It just doesn't sound fun. So do I believe it? Yes, but I don't really want to, if that makes sense. Makes absolute sense. I mean, since I had the exact same reaction, I'm, I'm totally on board. It, it is challenging. I, I, I wonder what it is about that, 
that it's that's challenging is it is it the accountability point like if i record this and then i don't achieve it or i'm not progressing towards it then then i know that something is going wrong i, I don't know what it's do you just think? too much work like it's the feeling of you know what that's too much structure too much work that's what it that's is for me extra work mm-hmm. i mean that's cognitively demanding work yeah yeah I'd rather just watch YouTube for the next hour personally. So that's probably not a good thing. Yeah. I mean, that makes absolute sense. Makes absolute sense. So, you know, the question is, does this apply to me? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. You know, clearly it does. I mean, I I have to resist the idea that, (laughs) that I'm not already using these tools, you know, and, and actually go through the process. Again, I don't want to. It feels like a lot of work. Um, It feels like, hey, I'm already not using these tools that way, so do I have to do this exercise? I probably should anyway. Like, the idea that I I don't, you know, I haven't already explicitly done this, that I'm resistant to it, like, it's it's very troubling. Uh, And, you know, to have the, the meta conversation, like, I'm like, why is this, why is this so tough? Like, why why (laughs) how about you so i think it does apply to me and i believe it requires a lot more thoughtfulness than i had considered in the past but unlike you where it bothers you the why as to why you don't want to do it i just don't want to do it i don't care why that's funny (laughs) all right Next question, uh, does it make me want to change behavior? And if so, what will I change to align myself with this idea? So it does make me want to change. You know, the fact that I'm, that I don't want to do this thing, I don't know if it's fear. If it was like explicitly fear, I think I would, you know, be a little bit more willing to charge towards it. Um, But I think I just need to challenge myself to actually set out goals and activities which support them. I mean, how hard can it be? How much time can it be? to, you know, I could probably hammer it out, like, you know, out loud verbally with you in the next five minutes. Like, it shouldn't be that difficult. Yeah, it probably is. It's just this, (laughs) like, internal resistance, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is a good thing to do, regardless of the context of assessing network tools. Like, you should know what your professional and private, you know, personal goals are. And you should, once you know what those goals are, you should know the things that you need to do that align with success, you know, progressing towards those goals. Like that, that is obvious. Right? It should right. be obvious. It's just not something that I want to do. And therefore I need to challenge myself to do it. And, you know, recording it in a place where I can review it and revise it and assess myself against it. I mean, maybe that it's the implication of all that work as well. Yeah. The continuous monitoring. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. I mean, if I go through this process, I can see that maybe, you know, one of the things that I do is take on, you know, some of the the activities that I need to do to reach my personal goals of being more connected with some of my friends that I've drifted away from. I mean, that requires doing more work that I'm just not doing right now. So that's being in text chains with them you know, on a regular basis and, you know, just it's taking on more and, and that 
maybe it's just the issue of taking on the work without actually experiencing the emotional payoff that I know is a positive, right? If I get to see like pictures of my friend's kids, you know, over time growing up, like that's a positive. That's, that's not a negative. The, and I don't know, you know, what the block is, you know, whatever emotional block that exists to getting to the state that, you know, I get to experience those things more often. Yeah. Don't know, but it's there. So obviously I need to address it. How about you? So if you recall, I said I didn't want to do it. I didn't say I wouldn't do it. So as far as does it make me want to change behavior, I'll say yes and no. And the reasoning here, I get the reasoning in looking at the benefits and the impact. And I do think trying to look at this and how it could help me, oh, actually how it could help more than just me is a wise tactic. Because when I think of trying to model good behavior uh, you know, in terms of the things we've been thinking about in the book for my daughter, it makes me more motivated to actually want to do it than if it were just me. So there's this, hey, you're you're modeling the good behavior for somebody else, so why not give it a shot? That's uh that's an excellent point. And it actually just reminded me about the giving back to the community that has, mm-hmm. you know, brought you benefit. So, um, you know, that's also something to take into account. I didn't really address that either in my, you know, thinking earlier. So that needs to go into the, uh, that needs to go into the mix. Yeah, for sure. Ready to go to the next one? Yeah. Let's talk it through. So the next suggestion here is quit social media. Now, again, it doesn't mean forever. It doesn't mean quit all social media. It means systematically sort through the networking and connectivity tools or behaviors you use and see what kind of effect quitting them for 30 days without announcing it would have. So you don't need to tell the world, you just need to stop doing it for 30 days. Then ask yourself, would your life have been significantly better using the tool? Did anyone care that you were not using it? And if you answer no to both questions, quit that activity, service, or behavior permanently. That's the advice. Social media is especially insidious because of its ability to generate fear of missing out. And it also allows the illusion of an audience, even though the audience is shallow. We're not insulting people's intelligence here. It just means that writing medium to long form blog posts and building an audience through the quality of output is challenging and sticky. Short-form tweets are easy, shallow, and ephemeral. They're going to be gone pretty soon. They're not going to stick around forever, at least not in someone's feed. So how about the questions? Um, Do I believe this? Uh, So yeah, this I feel like I've already done. In going through the process of saying, would your life have been significantly better using it? You know, that term significantly is a rough one to assess. Like I said, being off of Facebook, you know, I know that I've missed major life events of people that I considered friends. And Facebook, you know, when I moved from Southern California to Northern California, Facebook was like the way that I could have used to stay in touch with them. I actually, you know, now that I say that out loud, I think I was not using Facebook that much even before then. So that might not even be true. But I mean, the fact of the matter is, is that 
that is a benefit that I would like to have. And I don't know that all of the distraction of Facebook it, you know, taking that on is how I could get that benefit back. I could probably get that benefit by, again, just directly engaging with those people. How about you? I definitely believe it. The fear of missing out comment, again, makes me think back to episode 127 with Tom Hollingsworth. He talked about how that can lead to burnout, and it just rings very true. It's funny how we keep getting back to that burnout idea. Yeah, just constant engagement and distraction, um, you know, is one of the major ingredients to burnout. Like, like feeling like you're not doing something significant, you know, is another ingredient. There's there's a more than one thing, but just constant, always on engagement, like that's got to be a major major ingredient. So the next question: Does this apply to me? I mean. I mean, clearly, yes, right? Like, I can definitely see how going through this process for what we think of as, like, vital communities would be helpful to breaking an addictive cycle in those communities. Like, I I don't know, like, probably I was spending too much time in Spiceworks, like, early on. Um, but to go from, like, that level of engagement of, like, hours a day to, like, you know, hours a year is probably, you know, swinging from, like, one end of the cycle, like, the you know, one end of the spectrum to the other that, you know, and, and neither of those is, you know, necessarily optimal. I can definitely see it also in my behavior when I'm joining other online communities. Um, I don't think of those communities as necessarily being deep connections. You know, maybe I want to get on to a community to discuss a topic, but I'm not looking to interact with the people and make friends with them the way that spice works like definitely became for me like so if i have a hobby or you know i'm trying to investigate a topic and and there's a community around that on reddit or some other forum i might join that forum discuss that topic and then never log on again does that count as quitting i, I don't know maybe i don't know how about you i think it counts as using it when it seems valuable to you. that's what i heard yeah I guess it is about that craftsman approach. Or it just didn't it didn't bubble up as priority enough for you to use it again another time, maybe? Other yeah. important things got in the way. Mm -hmm. I think for me it, it definitely applies. I mentioned before on one of the previous episodes that I logged out of Facebook completely on my phone. I only log into it on my personal computer maybe twice a week, max. And I was probably spending 10 or 15 minutes just scrolling through per day. And I just thought, what am, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? So I, I turned it off. I feel like I've done a little bit better job of not constantly checking Twitter and LinkedIn, at least on the weekends, because I can leave my phone in a different room and put it on vibrate. You know, I don't need to be listening for a phone call that I might get during the week. So I still think I could do better there. But I do like this idea of not making the assumption that you're so important that everybody's going to miss you and you are oh, taking a break for 30 days. The idea is see if that's actually true. Yeah. See if you're as important as you think you are and maybe knowing that will give you some perspective on how much of an impact using this platform should or does have in your life. 
Well, you, you even going through the thought experiment, right? If there is some kind of professional organization, for example, that you moderate or are in charge of or handle logistics for that only meets on Facebook or LinkedIn, and that's the only way that you get in touch with those people, like it's obviously a tool that you can't drop for 30 days if if it's something that is like, you know, happens more than every 30 days. Certainly, yeah. <laughs> right? So, um, so you can definitely see that. Now, the question then becomes, do all the negative parts of, of having it or engaging with it on your mobile phone, maybe, you know, is that, is that something that you need in order to do that job or handle that task? Um, you know, is it something that you can, like you said, just use on your, your laptop or your PC, um, you know, in kind of a very regimented way, like, oh, I do this, you know, for 15 minutes every day just to handle this, you know, business. And it, the, the place that this business happens to be located on is on the social media platform. You know, that that's legitimate. I also like the thing that you said about alerts that kind of rang true with me too. Like I've been systematically going through and turning off which apps are allowed to alert me. And, you know, for the apps that have like more granular control, you know, being a little bit more conscious about that. Like if somebody sends me a direct message on Twitter or mentions me in a tweet, maybe I do want to be notified of that. But if there's just a general conversation that, you know, doesn't mention me, you know, do I, do I need an alert on that? Like I'm getting alerts. Why am I getting alerts? Like, you know, are there specific people that for somehow, you know, for some reason I turned alerts on? I don't think so. So, you know, maybe I should just not be alerted for conversations that don't specifically mention me or their journey. Like, yeah, that, maybe that's something I need to do. Alert fatigue is a thing, not just mm -hmm. in IT operations. <laughs> Maybe you just need some AI or machine learning technology that can better call your alerts, John. That's what it is. No, I, I think that's the problem is that I'm, <laughs> I'm leaving it to an AI or machine learning uh, algorithm that is being run by the platform to optimally alert me in order for me to stay engaged with the platform. Not, yep. you know, my rules, I think, are pretty simple. Like I want to know, you know, A, when I'm mentioned, you know, when somebody is uh, is like sending me a, a direct message or a LinkedIn message, or C, when somebody's wrong on the internet, so I can fix that. Wait, no, not that one. Not that. That last one is the one I'm trying to avoid. I just realized. Okay. Right. You're trying not to be that guy. Right. So how does this make you want to change your behavior? I think the rules are fairly simple. I only want to be alerted when I or Nerd Journey is directly mentioned. Right. Um, and then I want to manually go through and check out the feeds of like the different podcasts, the other um, kind of career oriented, um, you know, discussion people like the people that we've talked to and interviewed and, you know, kind of those idea guests, you know, like guess that, you know, the people that have said things in the past that we found interesting that we maybe want to talk to like do that manually because the idea that like i could just look on my feed 
and like trip across those things, I think is not true because that feed is being like curated by not me. Right. I can't just subscribe to the people and then randomly discover in a cool organic way, all the people that I might be interested in too. Like that's being again, chosen by somebody else. And so if I, if I think that I need to go find those things, then I need to go find them, invest time and effort into finding them, not like leave it up to, you know, the, the algorithm of the social network to find it for me. All right. Rant over. <laughs> That's quite all right. Um, so final question, does it make me want to change uh, my behavior? And if so, what will I change to align myself with this idea? Like I feel that this feels a little bit more like confirmation of the things that I'm doing and not, you know, it doesn't necessarily make me want to change things. Like, you know, I, all the things that I've decided to quit, I think I've already quit. You know, I've done the reduction that I need to reduce. If anything, you know, as we just discussed, I need to think about, you know, filtering alerts a little bit better just to, you know, get that, those last few alerts stamped out. So I really am having like a fairly quiet phone unless somebody is directly and specifically trying to get in touch with me, you know, so. And if you want to reach out to us and hashtag no more doom scroll, that'd be great. Very true. (laughs) What about you, Nick? I think that with decreased use of each platform, the fear of missing out goes down. It seems like you have more of it the more you use each platform. And I feel like I've culled down my use of each of the platforms at least a little bit. It could get better, but I don't feel like I'm near as Doom Scroll esque as as maybe it could be. Still need to work on reining in the need to check things. I don't know what that's about. But we'll get there. Yeah. Hashtag no more Doom Scroll. Absolutely. Final point here. Don't use the internet to entertain yourself. And and here's kind of the thesis, right? Using sites that monetize your attention for entertainment is dangerous. Um, they provide an appealing alternative to boredom. And we already know that, you know, we can't really, you know, spend our time distracting ourselves and expect to be able to resist distraction when we're, when we're doing deep work. Um, these sites are engineered to keep your attention, you know, not just, you know, be used, you know, just uh, very quickly and then get out. Um, it, using them for entertainment is damaging to our ability to concentrate without distraction. That's kind of the bottom line. So instead, you know, as an alternative, provide some structure to your time off with hobbies, reading, or spending quality time with friends and family. Give yourself something meaningful to do for all of your waking hours. That is a very, very brief summation of a big chunk of text. So I definitely don't want people to think that they can just listen to that and say, oh, that was, that was everything that was covered by don't use the internet to entertain yourself. (laughs) Um, You should definitely get this book and read it. But that was as much as we could uh, boil it down to. I hope that I hope that did it justice. I I feel like it didn't, but I feel like we also don't want to spend like 20 minutes summarizing it. So on to the questions. Do I believe this? Um, Yes. 
I can definitely see this as an extension of the embrace boredom strategy. You know, if you use the internet to entertain yourself, you are indulging in um, that distractive behavior, distracted behavior. You're indulging yourself in kind of the um, quick hits of dopamine from, you know, doing something that feels that that is shallow, but feels like you're accomplishing something when, you know, really it's not in that 80% of the 80-20 rule. So um, how about you? What was your reaction? Yeah, I do believe it. And I know many an individual who has been engineered to buy something they didn't need because they saw the right ad or buy something they never knew they needed until it found them. Yeah, there is that. <laughs> I mean, I suppose that, that there are like really good experiences out there that you might miss out on, you know, that, you know, if you, you possibly could have tripped over it, right, by using the internet to entertain yourself. But that's the, you know, now we're back to the any benefit strategy, like in right. fear of missing out, right? You know, it's, it all fits together. Next question, does this apply to me? It really does. I, I think I said before that YouTube is my big downfall, um, especially since it's an app on my television, right? So it's like two distracted behaviors in one, YouTube and television. What a combination. Like, I really am going to find it challenging to address this. So how about you? Any uh, immediate things about it applying to you? So I don't think it's the online sites as much as it is television. If you ask my wife, I am mesmerized by television. Uh, it doesn't matter what it is. Like, if she's watching a show, I'll just stand there and look at it, and she'll say, you going to sit down and watch this, or are you going to leave the room now? I mean, I don't know why I'm mesmerized by it, but because I am, I don't watch very much of it. Because I know that it will only lead to me wanting to watch more. I get it. You know what you need is you need, like, YouTube on your television. That would that would solve aka exacerbate your problem i have disney plus i mean there are so many things i could watch on disney plus just by itself you know what yeah I, mean? I've, I hear that they have like disney movies as well as the television shows and on top of that they have star wars star wars marvel and marvel wow it's tough but I are we doing are we doing an organic ad for disney i don't did that did you wasn't get... the plan no okay uh, no, I'm not this an is not, if that's what you're this wondering. Is, yeah, this is not a sponsored uh, Disney Plus ad, just to be 100% clear. There is no paid promotion tag on this. Okay. All right, final question. Does it make me want to change behavior? And if so, what will I change to align myself with this idea? It does make me want to change my behavior, and part of me actually doesn't want to change, right? So... I've started to think like more critically about how I'm using YouTube, you know, after reading this book and specifically this point. Um, I think I mentioned maybe in previous episodes about the possibility of like from my desktop, like programming, like some YouTube, like watch times, like, oh, here's a video I'll watch for entertainment. And then here's another one. And here's another one. And, oh, I've just hit my 45 minute limit for watching YouTube, you know, in a day or 30 minute limit or 20 minute, whatever that is, you know, YouTube as entertainment. So, you know, that might be one tactic that I could use to, to cut down and not engage in, you know, the recommendation engine 
just eating up like, you know, hours of my time. One thing I've already done is turned off autoplay. Um, I guess I did that a long time ago and, uh, you know, just carried through like that. I find actually annoying autoplaying the first, uh, the, the first video in a recommendation is kind of like the, you know, I feel lucky button on Google search like that. It's, it's, it might hit, but it usually isn't going to. Yeah. There's good recommendations, but it's not always the first one, but you know, that being said, indulging in, you know, chasing down, Oh, this recommendation, this recommendation, scrolling through a bunch of stuff like that is, you know, something that I kind of want to cut down on. And maybe, you know, if I'm going to watch YouTube, it's going to be in a more programmed and like structured way. How about you? Not YouTube specifically. Yeah. I, like I said, there's a reason I don't watch that much TV. So I think I have that covered for the most part. And I, it goes back to that. Give yourself hobbies and things to do most of the day. So if I keep myself busy it's easier to not fall into the trap of, you know, whatever your doom scroll habit is, right? What if we could get Twitter and LinkedIn on your TV? That would not be good. <laughs> then I'd have to check the TV all the time, or at least be in a different room. Mm, okay. Yeah. Unless, if I'm not carrying the TV with me all the time, like my phone, I think it would be okay. <laughs> <laughs> How about overall reactions? This seemed, like, fairly simple to me, you know, because I feel like I'm mostly off of social media um and then it hit the entertainment point don't use the internet to entertain yourself and i was like oh no i definitely indulge with that so you know it all comes back to that idea of embracing boredom and and not indulging yourself and in constant distraction because then your brain gets wired for distraction and you know that is going to inhibit your ability to do concentrated deep work when you're trying to you'll just be wired for distraction right so like i definitely see an upside from refraining from social media and unfortunately the internet as entertainment it's just it's too addictive it's too distracting how about you i think the analysis is a lot that is recommended here and that people are going to think it's too much work you know, we debated that earlier. In my mind, it's still a lot, but I see the value in doing it because it's a it's a better way to help you see what your reality is and the benefits you're getting from using or not using these things. And really, it's about setting healthy boundaries. More than anything, I'm not necessarily of the opinion that you have to kill off and you can't ever use the internet for entertainment. I think that you really need some strict boundaries in the way you use it and how much time you spend with it. And to your point earlier, when we talk about these social media tools, you know, how are you accessing them from what device and how much time? That makes sense. That makes sense. I would say maybe, you know, the, the idea of doing all that analysis, maybe you only need to do it if you need to have a strong argument to keep one of these tools. So if you're just willing to let go of the tools, then maybe you don't need to do the analysis. Like, oh, I'm not going to use any more social media ever again. Great. Then you don't need to figure out what your overall professional and um, personal goals are and what activities, uh, you know, you're going to 
do to uh, to support those goals and whether or not those social media tools um, actually fulfill those goals or activities, right? Like that, that analysis is, is superfluous if you're just giving up those tools. I suppose you could make an argument, and I probably will, that you need to do that analysis, you know, for other things, but, you know, maybe that's for a different time and different discussion. It would be super interesting to have a group of middle school and high school students do this type of analysis and just what kind of impact it's seeing the usage numbers and times have on them compared to what they could be doing or if they had to forcefully take a break, you know, would uh, would theirs be greatly different than their parents or some other people that are peers of ours in the industry? Would it be the same? I don't know. It just... It's fascinating to think about in my mind. Yeah. I wonder, you're saying like what tools they use and how much time they spend on it. Right. As opposed to, you know, different generations. I, I definitely see. And why the, they use it. Yeah. And what they think the benefit versus did they consider any negatives? You know, because before reading this, I didn't, I guess I didn't really think about that many negatives from some of these platforms until you become aware of oh, wow, I am wasting 15 minutes a day doing this, and it's not doing much for me. So you used to be a teacher I in did. high school. Did that predate a lot of the tools that are kind of ubiquitous right now, like TikTok and and everybody having Facebook on their phones? And... It was 2004 through 2007, so like right around the time Facebook was taking off is when I stepped out of the classroom. Got it. Got it. So you are not somebody who, I mean, I imagine that distraction in the classroom is a problem regardless oh, of sure. like network tools and phones and things, but mm -hmm. it just empowers students to be even more distracted. Like yeah. it's a more powerful distraction, distracting tool. Yeah. I, I think that unless you are already thinking about the context of distraction being like a like a powerfully destructive like force in one's life and in one's ability to like achieve one's goals like it might not seem like there's any downsides yeah we could probably do a whole thought experiment episode about all this i'll step down off the soapbox now <laughs> all right well i think that's it um anything else before we get out of here nope just a reminder, we want people to subscribe and give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. We want to know if we're being helpful and are always looking for interesting questions to ponder. We're collectively on Twitter, at NerdJourney. Don't forget to hashtag NoMoreDoomScroll. All right. Farewell, listeners. Tune in next time as the journey continues. I'm John White, happy journeyman for Nick Cordy at NetworkNerd underscore, signing off. Put that doom scrolling right now. So the last question here, is that what we're on? The last question? Yeah. All Does right. the, do the points about quitting social media make me want to change behavior? And if so, what will I change? So I think I'm already doing this, a little bit of this by decreasing the time I spend on each platform. All right. Um, and I would say that I'm reading your responses and not mine. So I'm going to start over. 
I'm sitting here going, and you're reading my response. Thanks, man. I'm glad you're already doing it, throw. I think that's great. So I know that, Nick, you feel like you're already doing a little bit of this by decreasing the time that you spend on each platform. Yes, that's right. So I feel like I'm doing some of this already by decreasing the time that I spend on each <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> you just said it, and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> Should I, do I need to turn my cam off? <laughs> uh, no. You're good. You're good. You're good. You're good. All right.